Anybody need help with God's will? This might help. We plan, but God directs. And actually, this is very comforting because we'll plan things, but as you rest in God's sovereignty, trust Him, praying, if He's, if He's directing a different way, you can just trust in that. Because my plans are usually focused on self-comfort and ease and what the, the, the path of least resistance. And my plans, though, but God, you make those because you have to, you have to be moving. How do you steer a car that's not moving? So you have to have plans and you're moving. Okay, Lord, I think this is what you're doing. And then he begins to direct you and open and close. Have you ever had, came across a closed door that there's no way it's opening? Could it be? Or an open door that is just clearly God? Directing. And so we're going to turn to Genesis 27. The last message I gave from Genesis was a while ago, probably a month ago. The title was, You Hurt Me, Now What? Anybody been hurt by the church or other Christians? See, don't raise your hand because it would be everyone. And so that message, I talked about how to remove personal offenses. Because I will tell you now, 12 years into this, pastoring 20 years in ministry, that division is, I think, the the enemy's number one tactic. Because when he can get us divided... If he can get me and Pastor Abram divided each other, or the body divided each other, he's like, I'll go to church, but I don't want to see them. Okay, you might as well not even come to church. You just quench that, the moving of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's not divided. So I would encourage you, if you have an issue with someone here, someone out, maybe outside, someone, fix that as, as, as the best you can to your ability. Paul says, as it, much, as it, as it depends upon you to, to live in peace with all people. And I know we get frustrated. Have you ever tried so hard? And but Shane, they're not reconciled. They're not listening. They don't. Hey, if you've done all you can do, wipe your hand, and move forward. There's, you actually you can begin now sinning if you're pressing something too much and you're pushing and you're trying to manipulate. Just hey, I've done all I can do. I, I just need to let it go. Um, and I shared with somebody recently, pastoring a church, we can encounter that probably more than anything else. So for every relationship frustration that you have, add about 50 to that. Where I'm like, I don't know why they even left the church. I have no clue. What's, I mean, I've, there's, I've, I've tried. We've done all that we can do. And all, it's all I can do. Because the enemy wants to frustrate me and you through division. Uh, because that's where we get unaffected. And, and I, can, I can see over the last you know, decade for sure, the last, the most, I can get through difficult times with the world, what's going on, as long as you're filled with the Spirit and think, but when there's division and contention, it's just exhausting. And so, check out that message and focus on unity, because it does not come naturally. Unity does not come naturally. It comes supernaturally. By being filled with the Spirit and asking for forgiveness and seeking reconciliation. So, Genesis 27 now, we have a very interesting topic. Have you, you, you've heard of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Very, very important, uh, three people there that the Bible talks about quite often. That, because the Messiah came from that lineage. The nation of Israel came from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Jacob, the twelve tribes of Israel, comes out of that. And it's such an important topic. And so, what we find here is the blessing that Isaac is going to give to Esau. 
Isaac, Isaac wants to bless Esau. That's his favorite son. Let's be honest. He's a hardworking hunter, you know. And uh, what happens though is um, the mom hears of this plan and her and Jacob devise a different plan. Basically, they say, we're going to trick our father and make him, because he's old and his eyes are dim, we're going to make him think he's Esau, so therefore Jacob receives the blessing. A little tricky there, huh? Aren't you glad the Bible's honest about Bible characters? Because we can see, I can see like Peter. You know, I'll never deny you, Lord. And then he's pressured. And, and so we learn from these, these powerful figures that they had flaws just like us. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, he called for Esau, his older son, and he said, Son, I'm getting old. I know my days are coming to an end. Please make me some savory food that I love and bring it to me and I will eat and then I will bless you. Now the reason this is important is because the blessing of the Father, especially in the Old Testament, even now in the Middle East, in that area, that is like the, the kids look forward to that. Because it's not like blessing at 10 and 12 and 15. The Father lays a blessing upon the child that is actually, uh, the child lives with that blessing for the rest of their life. And not a lot has changed because that I believe the Father can still speak life into their children. Or death. So many people living with pain even here this morning because of the words your Father spoke. Or didn't speak into your life. And we have grown men, but still children inside because they've been still carrying those wounds of maybe not hearing I love you. Or maybe hearing you're stupid. You'll never amount to anything. Why do we even have you? You know, those are words. You're a mistake. As we grow up, we, we, we can play tough guy. Or the absentee father. How many, like, why did he leave? And that pain, and dealing with that pain. And so there's so much there with the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, love good words and building up encouraging, they will eat of its fruit. So men, even women, take something from here this morning. Life and death are in the power of what you say. Why is that? Well, the, bio, the pulpit commentary said speech is the picture of the mind. So what you say, you're actually giving people a picture of your mind, of what you believe. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. And that's why they're so deadly and damning. James says like a tongue. It's like a fiery little thing that you can, can, can set the whole forest on fire because it's actually a picture of how I feel. So when you lash out, it's not just words coming out, sounds out of your mouth. It's actually expressing feelings towards another. And so he was going to bless his son. But we read in verses 5-29, through 29, the whole story there, that Jacob with his mom tricked Isaac so that Jacob would receive the blessing. And so what he does is he puts some uh, some animal uh, skin, I guess, on his arms. And so his father felt the, his hairy arms. And he, he smelled like game, like he was hunting. And like, well, this, this, 
this smells like my son and feels like my son, but it doesn't sound like him, but I, I obviously I guess this is him. And so he actually gave the blessing to Jacob instead of Esau. He was tricked. And Esau then loses hope. As soon as Isaac blesses Jacob, here comes Esau. He's got his food ready. And he's got it, okay, Father, eat of it and then bless me. And his father says, Who are you? I just gave my blessing. My irrevocable blessing that I can't take back on your brother. And of course, he's, he's, he's furious. The father said, indeed, the last sentence there, indeed, he shall be blessed. But again, we plan. God directs. Proverbs 16.9, a man's heart plans his way, but it's the Lord who will direct his steps. And verse 34, when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. Can you imagine losing your father's blessing? Losing the inheritance? Losing the, the calling of God upon his life and how he would be blessed? And there, there's this bitter cry. And he said, Father, bless me. Bless me. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. Now, we often wonder, or I would think, why couldn't he just reverse it and say, wait a minute, this was deceit. I was tricked. This does not apply. Well, could it be that um, Isaac was actually disobeying God? Because we read a few chapters ago in Genesis 25, it was crystal clear, the older will serve the younger. So personal opinion, not the text isn't clear. I think Isaac heard that back in Genesis 25 and said, yeah, okay, whatever, but that's not going to be the way it goes. And so actually the blessing was for Jacob. The younger, younger receives the blessing. Now he's as the firstborn that viewed, and now the older must serve the younger. God says, I have declared it. This is how it's going to happen. I'm even going to let you know. And so even in that, and that trickster, Jacob, that's what his name means, actually. Even in that, God's plans prevailed. And now Esau is furious. He took away my birthright. And now look, he's even taken away my blessing. And Esau hated Jacob and he vowed to kill him. Things change though in the next chapters as, as we'll continue to progress. But I was reminded here that God's will, God's will, will upset others. Better realize that now. We think, hey, I'm in God's will. Everybody's going to come alongside of me. And and, uh, just ask Joseph how that went with his brothers. Highly favored Joseph. Because God's will, often when God is blessing you, others are not going to be fans of that. It brings in some animosity, some jealousy, some envy. And God's will does upset others. Maybe I should speak to that. This is interesting. I I was going to write it down. I said, no, I won't write it down. Lord, bring it back to memory if you want me to talk about it. Um, But in church, I guess in anywhere, I've dealt with it. Um, Many of you have dealt with it. 
we want sometimes to, I don't even know what the right word, to be maybe promoted. You know, let's say somebody wants to be on the worship team or somebody wants to be a leader in a ministry or you want a promotion at work or, you know, you name it, right? There's a variety of things that we really want and we get kind of frustrated. If, if, you know, and it, sometimes that's not a bad thing. The Bible even says it's good that a man desires to be an elder, a leader. It's okay to desire that. And so, but a lot of times there's a lot of friction and fractions and fighting, even in the church. I've seen a lot over 12 years over this issue of promotion. Like, I mean, I'm just, again, I have nobody in mind, so don't email me. I'm just, if somebody doesn't get promoted, let's say women's ministry, or why thought this, right? Why, why aren't my talents being used? Or why, you know, we, we can all relate. And I was reminded, it was like just clear as day to share this with you. If God wants you somewhere, nobody can stop you. Nobody can stop you. Why, why complain then? Why, why aren't I doing that? I should be up there on that stage. I should be. If God wants you up there, you think I'm going to stop it? Of course not. And I've noticed the more I rest and just wait on God, the more He will elevate. He will push. I can't say a lot now, but I've been asked to speak at some big conferences to pastors maybe next year and in different places. And, and, and God wants, and people reaching out, can you bring Ren the heavens to this area? Like, oh wow, I don't, I can't bring it, barely bring it to this area, you know, so, but there, and, and the more you just let, Lord, what do you want to do? The more, then He will place you. And many times He holds you back in order to break you. And I see that it's sad over the years. I'm talking the last 12 years. People would, why didn't I get promoted? Why didn't I become the worship leader? Why didn't I become the associate pastor? Why aren't I leading the men's ministry? Why can't I start that Thursday study? And I see it a lot. And I'm thinking, if God wants to do it, it's going to happen. I, I can't stop His will, number one. Number two, I don't want to. We always say, Lord, whatever You want to do. Whatever You want to do. And so I don't know if that's helpful for someone, but the more you keep fighting over that, maybe it has nothing to do with church, maybe at your work. Oh, I'm so, why can I get promoted? Why isn't this happening? If God wants to open a door, He'll open it. So to me, it tells me the waiting time is God is working on my heart. He's working on me. And I've told people that. Even people that have been upset, maybe with some of the decisions the leadership has made, I say, if God wants you there, you're going to be there. But this attitude I'm seeing is not good. It's not healthy. Could it be that that is what God's wanting you to work on? Hey, He's working on me. I got I got some names I could name. You know that they 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 can they speak into my life. They reprimand me a little bit. You know. Um, I remember one time, it's funny. I don't even know if I should tell you this. Well, here's what happens. I tell you stuff and people use it against me a year later. You said this. Well, yeah. Okay. But I remember I first met Jim Garlow. Do you know who Jim is? And he said, we just started the church. He goes, I've been following your ministry, you know, powerful preaching and stuff. Wow. And then, here I go. I would love to speak at Skyline Church in San Diego. And he just, it was a loving rebuke. Shane, 
you, if God opens that door, you, but you don't need to ask or push things like that. They're like, oh, ah, boom. But, and I, I, my, I was like, I had to check my heart because I wasn't, I was just like, oh, that would be so cool. But, see, you know, and then as I just shut my mouth, then God begins to open doors and speak to, to, to these different areas and groups. But he, sometimes he'll use these things to get your heart right. And sometimes the longer the process, the longer, the deeper the work he's doing in your own heart. Because that's how we change is by hearing no. And then what do we do with it? All right, Lord, well, I trust you. I'll trust you to lead me. I was also reminded that anger can delay or damage God's will for your life. Anger can damage or delay God's will for your life. You'll rarely see God move through an angry person. What I mean by that is, is ungodly anger. Unrighteous anger. An angry spirit. An angry heart. Actually, one of the qualifications of an elder is they cannot be easily angered. They can't be known as a man with unrestrained passions and anger. James 1.20, for the wrath of man, meaning the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You'll never get, you'll never do something right through anger. The wrong kind of anger. Thank God for righteous indignation to be angry. I'm angry, very angry with what's going on around us. And that's going to drive me to the altar. That's going to drive us to have rent the heavens. That's going to drive us to fast because that anger is propelling a godly action. That's going to cause us to do voter registration and have a voice for the vo those who have no voice. And that's going to cause us to do certain things because that anger is being funneled in the right direction. But unrestrained anger, outbursts of anger, that will really hinder God's will for your life. And I often wonder how much of us could do more but anger is holding us back. Unrestrained passion. And so here's some practical application on better understanding God's will. We plan, but God directs. Number one, the absolute will of God. Now this is the will of God that no matter what you do, guess what's going to happen? God's will. There's no if you do this, when you do this, I'll consider this. This is, here it is. This is my will. Good luck trying to stop that. Romans 9, it said that Rebecca will conceive Isaac for the children, listen to this. The children weren't even being, they weren't even born yet. They haven't done anything right or wrong. But the purpose of God according to election might stand. Not based on any of their works but on God who called them. And it was said, Romans 9 is quoting Genesis, the older shall serve the younger. God says, my, my will of election will stand. You will not stop that. No king, no kingdom, no army, no, no demonic uh, uh, desire or demonic demon is going to stop this perfect will of God. And then, you know, that's what we're going to talk about. We have permissive will of God, different areas of God's will. We even see a demonic opposition, like when Daniel was fasting and praying. Daniel's prayer was answered on day one, but it took three weeks. And the angel said, the prince of Persia held me up. Spiritual battle. 
So see, here's God's will, but then the enemy can come and thwart some of those plans. But when it comes to this absolute will of God, absolute will of God, we see this word election in elect in Matthew 24 as well, refers to the very elect. And so, this is so funny because I don't have any of this in my notes, but the first service I talked about this, this point, and it was, it was a person's first time here. And believe it or not, they were struggling with this issue of election and it was able to clarify some things for them. Now, I don't know exactly what clarified because this topic uh, brings a, a, a certain level of healthy tension. And anytime, you know, there's, there's tension between two camps in Christianity, some healthy tension is good. Uh, when you're holding up a, a, a big pole, you have healthy tension on both sides. And so what election is, to, to just to summarize it biblically, election is, especially in the Old Testament, God elects or calls a certain person to accomplish a certain task. They are elect to do this. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you are the elect, the chosen to bring in the nation of Israel. To, that, there's no way around it. You're elect, that's you, that's your calling. You are elect. And then in Matthew and in other places, I mean, if we had a whole couple hours to unpack some verses in election, initially it had to deal with the nation of Israel. And then we do see that now the church, Christians are worked into this concept of election. That God will choose certain people for certain tasks. He actually, Paul was on his way to kill Christians, persecute Christians. And God said, enough of that. Knocked him, knocked him down to the ground. And said, Paul, you're actually called, you're elected to be a chosen vessel of mine. Oh, well, change of plans. Um, did you know that Isaiah, or actually Jeremiah, before he was even born, the Bible says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I called you. Hmm, that's interesting. I called you to be a prophet among the nations. I don't know if he had much of a choice in that. I mean, some people say he could have, she could have rejected it. Oh, well, I, I mean, I don't know. Scripture's silent, so I'm going to remain silent. But God called him. He said, I'm, I'm creating this child, this DNA, deribonucleic acid, in the mother's womb to be this prophet. He's elect to do that. John the Baptist was called when? At conception, possibly. In mother's womb, he was filled with the Spirit. And so we see... The election is clearly taught in the Bible. Where it gets challenging is some people will say and teach that God only elects certain people to salvation. In other words, of the billions and billions of people throughout history, God only chooses certain people, elects them. And that elect is the, the chosen. They are elect by God, predestined. They have no choice in the matter. And they are chosen, elect, to go to heaven. And then the billions of others who aren't chosen then are by default damned to hell because they're not elect, they're not chosen. So personally, I don't see that in the Bible. I have a hard time putting a lot of Scriptures together to teach when God says repent, and believe, he's not saying, well, you know what, billions of you can't, I'm just going to say that, just, just to say it. When God commands something, it gives, it tells me that person has the ability to repent and believe. 
So to me, it's not a good work. It's how God created us to repent and believe and reject or accept. And so there's a divide in the church, though. Just because I made that statement, some people did not come to this church. Because of that statement. Oh, well, I'm not here to please men. I'm just telling you how the Bible I read clearly teaches election, but it also teaches that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. So what do you do with that Scripture and others? But it does teach if God... So I think God can call whoever He wants to call for salvation. I want this person, John the Baptist, I need Jeremiah, and I need Paul. Okay, yes, for sure. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, it, that, that He elects only certain people to come to heaven. And that's a, that's a big debate between Calvinism and Armenianism. And we're not gonna, it hasn't been solved for 2,000 years. You know, uh, there's been debates going on uh, for, for centuries. And that's because some people feel, feel very strongly about an issue and some people feel very strongly about another issue. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the experience. We look through biblical texts through our own experience. God clearly drew me to salvation, so obviously election must be true. God, man, I, I repented and I believed and I struggled and I had to make a choice, so obviously this is true. And so that's where it gets challenging as we look, don't we? We all look at, when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, we usually bring in our own experience about that. And so all you need to know is, I believe that the Bible has a healthy tension there. The man is responsible for his actions and judged based on those actions, yet God's sovereign plans will prevail. And if he wants to call somebody to salvation, amen, let it be me. And Charles Spurgeon even said, we do not, we, we see God's sovereignty and man's responsibility running like two separate lines. And we won't know where they cross until eternity. And so I just think that's very healthy. Because I can't for the life of me, if you take this thought process out all the way to the end, that God creates then people, billions of people creates them. There's nothing they can do, even though the Bible says repent and believe. It's your choice. You're judged based on your choice. These billions of people are created basically to go to hell. I know I said repent, but you can't because you're not elect. I, I, I can't gravitate towards that. I can't believe that because of all the Scriptures in the Bible that talk about God not willing that people should perish. That sending His Son, all who believe, I love the whole world. And you can get really deep into theological discussions. You just need to know that God is sovereign and man is responsible for his actions. If I were to sum that up. So, the absolute will of God. Then we have the permissive will of God. The permissive will of God. Romans 1, Romans 1 is actually a great example of that if you read it tonight. Uh, and if you ever wonder, like, where, where does the LGBTQ issues come from? Where does the homosexuality issue come from? Where does the gay marriage issue come from? Just read Romans 1. As soon as they begin banning the Bible, that's probably going to be the first chapter. Trust me, if it, if it was up to some legislators, you would have a whole new version of the Bible. And it talks about that, that God is clearly revealed. But instead of embracing the truth, they suppress the truth. They begin to worship the creation and the creature instead of those who, instead of the God who created them. 
and they exchange the truth for a lie. And they begin to worship creation. God then gives them over to a debased and corrupted mind. And it says they begin to exchange the natural use of a body, natural use as God designed it, and became to, they were filled with vile passions. Men loving men and women loving... It's, it's in Romans 1. It's, it's crystal clear. There's really no debate. There's, are we even having conversations that men can have babies? Where, how is this possible? Or you ask the Supreme Court justice to define a woman. And she, I can't. Folks, we, we have, this is, this is asinine. Is there any stronger words? This is ridiculous. This is ludicrous. It's, it's crystal clear. But when you begin to suppress the truth, God gives you over to a debased and corrupted mind. You'll believe whatever. And, and people want to fight and argue. How, who are you to say that men can't become pregnant? That is so male racist. Male racist racism. All you have to do is look at the design. Where's the baby coming out? What's, I mean, golly. There's no womb to support life. There's no, I mean, it's just silly. But I know pastors, they'll say, you know, don't, don't talk about that stuff. Well, what, the problem is everyone else is talking about lies and those who are supposed to be talking about the truth are so quiet so they don't offend people. That's what wokeness is. Wokeness, political correctness. You're going to offend a whole... Yeah, the God, word, God's Word is going to offend quite a bit of people. And the more we progress, the more we digress, it's, it's actually going to get more offensive and more offensive and more offensive because we've developed, we've created a whole generation of crybabies that can't have their feelings hurt. And yes, we can challenge things that are wrong. Did you know that I could come up here, I don't care if you call me political or not, but I could come up here and with the Bible talk about our borders. I could talk about, I could talk about sanctuary cities and the immigration issue and what's going on in Martha's Vineyard from a biblical perspective. Why shouldn't we? Did you know that President Biden can fly in immigrants under the radar at midnight or two in the morning and drop them off somewhere and sneakily. But if Governor DeSantis decides to put them on a bus, put them into a sanctuary city that, that, that they said they're a sanctuary city and puts them there now, he's, he's, he's evil. The, we, the hypocrisy is alarming. Grow up, wake up, and look at the truth. And just saying that, people on Facebook, I'm throwing your books in the trash. I can't believe you. I thought you were loving. I am loving. Let's do it the right way. Let's help immigrants that need help. I see the mom and their dad and their kids. I'm like, how can we help them? I love them. Right? That's what we're supposed to do. And theoretically, technically, you should be able to send them to a sanctuary city. Hello, hence the word sanctuary, meaning you're welcome here. We can take care of you. But once you do that, no. See, what happens is the truth comes out. These groups are after votes and they do not truly love people. And that's the truth. If we can't tell you the truth, who can? 
And now, granted, a group this size, the internet this size, I know that's not going to please everyone. Absolutely. But it's this, it's the truth. And I think we, we need to give, especially the younger generation, the truth. Let them know, here's what's really happening. Here's how this works. Uh, they, they, they don't want to secure the borders because they want votes. The only reason they want you to think they're out for helping the poor is to get votes. They're not really help, out to helping the poor because all you have to do is check their tithing records and see where the money really goes. It, it, it's, I want to appear, I want to appear like I want to help people. But when the people really come that need help, Martha's Vineyard, they already kicked them all out of their area. Did you know that? All of those, why, why not say, hey, you know what, I've got a guest house. Let me, let me, let me see if there's some Christians here and families are really, let me see if I can help you. When the rubber meets the road, they drop the ball. It's called hypocrisy. And they need to be called out because they are deceptive and it's false narratives that are causing division in our nation. So, my political rant for the day is over. But is it, did I say anything that's not only not true, but is necessary and needs to be said in this culture? Here's, here's why I'm so passionate about this. You see, young adults, 15, 16, 17, watching deceptive CNN and being brainwashed into thinking the good people are evil and thinking the evil people are good. And that has to be, I have to say something, because it's wrong. It's deceptive. And that's how the enemy works. Romans 1.21. You guys are getting me off track here. The second service. <laughs> Choices have consequences. Good and bad. That's God's, what do we call this will? His permissive will. And that's, he, he allows things to happen. Now this is incredible. This is going to move right into number three, God's conditional will. I've got to read this for you. Jeremiah 26, 2 through 3. Thus says the Lord. Okay, God is saying this. Not Shane, not Jeremiah. God is saying this to Jeremiah. Do not diminish a word. What does that mean? Well, I, I know exactly what that means. Because I have to deal with the same things Jeremiah does as a preacher. That means I get up here and I'm like, such and such is here. I can't talk about that. No, you're not going to like this one. And you're new? It's your first time? And there's such and such. They hate when I get political. Man. What, you see? But is that not what this is? He says, Jeremiah, I, I, you better not... A double dog dick. Do not diminish one word. You tell the people they are backslidden. You tell the people they are sinners. You put, tell the people they are spiritual adulterers and they have embraced idolatry and harlotry. Jeremiah, you call them to preach to repentance. I don't care what they say. I don't care if they want to kill you. But my word is in you like a burning fire and you let it out and you let it fall where it may. And I have to rely on that every single week. Do not diminish a word. And you think I'm joking, but I'm not. I do that. Oh, there's, they're not going to like this part. They're not going I just had a conversation with somebody who left because I am too political. I don't know what to tell you. Do not diminish your word. It's what God puts on my heart. I, you're not going to find the perfect church. And I do it. Oh, there's, there's the big givers. Oh my gosh. Now, we don't know that because I don't see offering records at all. 
But sometimes people, they'll, hey, here's a $10,000 check. Here's a $20,000 check. Put it towards children's ministry, whatever you guys want. And then, oh, is this going to offend, is this going to upset them? Oh, and then, and then they don't want me, you know. And if, if there's new, I've had, um, and, and, and we love all ethnicities, but being careful with what I, you know, people get upset, Hispanic community upset at the immigration issue. When we're saying the same thing, we love all groups. We, how can we help? Do it the right way. And if I talk about if, if back when I used to just mention five letters, I've had some some um, African Americans leave the church because I mentioned Trump too much. And so, but I understand what they're feeling. I understand it once I talk to them. You know what I mean? So I'm just trying to tell you, I understand. And I asked Pastor, can I? Am I talking about this too much? Am I upsetting? Ask him. Ask him. Every other week or so, is this? And, and, and people, I'll ask people. I'm open for feedback, but it has to come from the right heart. I don't want to hear from negative Nelly or judgmental Jerry. I want to hear from people who love the church and will speak the truth in love. And I go to dozens of core team members, and when they all say, no, we need to hear this, then I'm just going to set my course and, and let the chips fall where they may. So, that's what he's saying here. That, that's why I did like COVID. I just had a camera. Here's what I got to say. I can't see anybody. I'm just going to preach and I'll see you next week. But he's saying that. Do not diminish your word, which tells me he might want to diminish your word because there's cowardliness and weakness coming in. When, when, the, when the flesh comes up, the Holy Spirit may be quenched. And he's saying, Jeremiah, do not diminish your word. Why? Why? This is amazing. God said it, not me. Perhaps. Everyone will listen and turn from his evil way. So that's why I still have hope for America. They might not listen, but the hope is there that they call them to repentance. Oh, wayward nation, would you come back to God again and drink deeply of the fountain of living water? Would you repent of your sin and embrace the one true and living God? They might not listen. Hollywood might want to strip me of my license even though I don't have one. They might want to kill me. But God says they might listen. So again, again, I, I love my Calvinist brothers, but mm, this, this brings that doctrine into question. They might listen and repent. The Bible often says, you were not willing. You did not repent. It never says you could not repent. It never says you could not. It always says you would not. See, the choice goes back on them. Just upset a lot of people today. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's funny for you guys, not for me. My poor wife, we have a conversation. She goes, and I don't I don't know that many people don't get upset. I go, I just don't share it with you. And you gotta get just guard. Amend your ways. This is God. Amend your way, telling the people, amend your ways, change your ways, repent, and obey the voice of the Lord. Then the Lord will relent concerning the doom He has pronounced against you. So if you read Scripture, if you believe Scripture, do you believe that? Because that tells me inside God's permissive will, next screen, will be His conditional will. That tells me God can change His plans within His permissive and conditional will. I don't know what else to do with that. Uh, Jonah, uh, in 40 days, I'm going to destroy Nineveh. Well, what happened? They repented. Revival. And it was 100 and 
50 years, I think it was Nahum who came, yeah, Nahum of Akajephana. And Nahum came and pronounced judgment on, don't, don't quote me on that, it's just coming to my mind. But 150 years later, it bought them 150 years. There's another verse. Man, I see it somewhere every time I come to church. If my people hmm, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. I will heal. So see, there's a lot of things within the conditional will of God. If that nation against whom I've spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. Change your plans. And you will seek me and find me when, when you search for me with all of your heart. Could it be that some of you are distant from God and not finding God because you're not searching for Him with all of your heart? You say, Lord, just do, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Well, this is conditional. This is conditional. When you search for me with all of your heart, this might change the way some of you live. Because how we live is this is how the scripture is lived out. Searching for God, fasting, praying, six AM morning worship on Sundays, Wednesday nights, worship nights, rend the heavens, devotional time in your own home, worship in your own home, getting rid of the junk that pulls you down and get excited about God. Do you know men especially, you know it's okay to get excited about God? You guys get you get all excited when your favorite fighter won last night. You guys get all excited when your favorite fighter won last night. UFC guys, UFC guys, remember? You get all excited. Nate Diaz wins again his final contract with the UFC. Oh my God, I can't believe it. You're all jumping up and down. But when you come into the house of the living God and shout for LeBron or James and have that 24 ounce in your hand and get all excited. No, the problem is the devil has got you bound for your excitement and your joy of the Lord. You love the things of the world but hate the things of God. You need a, a spiritual rebirth or a mighty baptism of God's Spirit in your heart and in your life. But see, that's the conditional will of God. If you ask anything, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And could it be that as we seek the heart of God during rend the heavens, oh God, rend the heavens and come down and visit your people. God says, if you do this, if you cry out to me, if you meet together, if you make me your all-consuming passion and I become your priority, that is a deal I cannot break because my permissive will says, if you do these things, I will do this. God's bound by His Word. He is bound by His Word to honor the actions of His people. And then finally, the will of God that's based on principles. The will of God based on principles. When you get an idea, don't immediately assume that it's from God. <laughs> Amen? If you are ignorant of God's Word, you will always be ignorant of God's will. Billy Graham. And so the whole point of, the, of God's will, I wish, I mean, I've taught on this before, that's why I didn't want to spend too much time, is God's will based on principles. Do you know the Bible has principles? Do you know you don't know the person's name you need to marry, but you do have principles you should look for? People are so confused. Like, I don't know who to marry. I don't well, look, What's the principles? Uh, the Bible says, I mean, it says God's will is for you to be saved. See, that's another, that's, a, that's His will, it's for you to be saved. His will is for you to be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. His will is, will is for you is to make disciples. 
uh, to live holy and blameless before Him. Uh, there, his, his principles are outlined there. So I don't know what God's will is. Well, are you in His Word? Because the older I get, the realize I realize God's will is not as hard as I used to make it be. Like some great mystery, like you're putting together. Have you ever seen those thousand-piece puzzles? It's like, hey, basically, live your life based on God's Word. You're not going to be perfect, but you get back on track. You stay repentant. You stay broken. You stay humble. You stay prayered up. You stay in, in, in obedience of His Word. And you just say, Lord, I trust You. I trust Your sovereignty. And you allow God to open doors, close doors, and you make decisions based on His Word. And there's a lot of trust in that and sovereignty. The reason we're so worried of getting outside of His will is because we're often not living in His Word. And so our decisions are not that smart. And we're worried about that. We know what's happening. We know why we're in this, in this um, pickle. Because God's Word has to be the standard. And that's why churches get into trouble. Especially um, churches that, you know, they call it emotionalism, touchy-feely, um, you know, all those terms, hyper-charismatic, and ooh, it's just about loud and, and weirdness that's going on. And they, have, they don't have any grounding in the Word of God. Because that's where your grounding is. It's not, it's, the, it, the theology doesn't say if it's odd, it's God. Actually, quite the contrary. It needs to make sense according to God's will, God's Word. Now, things will happen that you might not agree with, but it's in God's Word. For example, I've thrown this out there many times over the 12 years. And um, I have a feeling not everyone would be sticking around if what happened in the Bible after waiting in an upper room happened in this place. You would not stick around. Many of you, I'm out of here. This is, this is, it's in the Bible though. Correct? Tongues of fire. The Holy Spirit baptizes 120 believers and they are fire for God. Whew, that's too much heat for a lot of Christians. Am I not just being honest and real? I'm telling you. And so see, but it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. So things might happen that you might not be comfortable with, but it's thoroughly biblical. Because I've noticed when God moves, really moves, and you're on fire for Him, it's not comfortable. The, the proud and arrogant and judgmental, they will judge you. The carnal Christians will say, I'm never coming back to that church. Oh my goodness, I'm too convicted. And it's really just the Word of God coming alive. Think about that. Could you handle that many people speaking in tongues? Now then Paul though then gives us edification and encouragement. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. If you come together, don't speak in tongues. An uninformed person is going to think you're out of your mind. I'd rather speak five words in a known tongue than, than 10,000 words because prophecy edifies and do things, all things done decently in order. So things must have got a little chaotic. So see, that doesn't tell you the church is wrong. It tells you the church needs some rules. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says living children need rules. Dead children don't. So if you're a church that, that nothing in 1 Corinthians applies to you, you could be dead spiritually. Absolutely true. You need no rules because you're spiritually dead. You cut 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 out of your Bible as if that doesn't happen anymore. And I can't do that because I've experienced all of that in profound and powerful ways. I've shared this before too. I'm, I'm very conservative. And so 
sometimes maybe I lean towards that too much. And finding that balance. It's hard though, right? You guys, you know, we don't want to be, you know, you see stuff on, I don't want to be anything weird, but I don't, I want more of God. Because anytime you try to put controls around God, it's not fun. He'll just bust you or bust open. But then inside of that atmosphere, and the only reason I'm telling you that is I, is I feel big things for this church with Ren the Heavens and God moving. And, but how do you steward that environment? How do you steward the environment where God is moving, but so is the enemy? So is the enemy. How, how, welcome to our world. It's, it's, it's challenging. But again, if we, my whole point was, if we look to God's Word, what does the Word say? What, what does it say? Can people get healed? Why, why does it happen? Does God still give words of wisdom, words of knowledge? Where are they? Now granted, that's what our prayer room's for actually. We see a lot of, of spiritual fruit there. And I would encourage you to go there for prayer sometime and just be open to what God wants to do in your heart and in your life. But the danger of the inner light without the outer light is not good. The outer light of the Word of God. The danger of the leading of the Spirit without the leading of the Word. The danger of listening to voices instead of the voice of the One who already spoke. Be careful those who call yourself charismatic. Don't be, oh, God told me, God told me, God told me, God, 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 what God, I heard this, I, what, what's the Bible say first and foremost? Because my inner voices need an anchor. Do you, yours do too. Don't act all spiritual. Over the years, and I'm just, there's so many rabbit trails. This is, but it's important. I think, I think it's, over the years, I've, I've spiritually mature people I've looked up to. Like I would say, man, they are, they're up there just so on fire for God, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's times they miss it. There's times they miss it. They're not always walking on clouds and everything they say is perfect. That's why you can't be led astray by every wind of doctrine, every prophetic word, every pro- what are the prophets saying? What are the prophets saying? What is this ministry doing? What's this? And we're led astray instead of grounded in God's word. It's so important. But then the flip side, if all you got is the word, and you're legalistic, hard, overbearing, controlling, and filled with anger and frustration, that word is lifeless. The letter kills. It's a spirit that gives life. And we are not a perfect church. We make mistakes. I own it. Open for constructive criticism. But I tell you, we are a church committed to the truth of God's Word and the power of the Spirit. That's our commitment. And the irony is, is that's where most of the disputes are at. You either have this group. You just beat me up with the truth. Golly, that stinks. And then you got the Holy Spirit side. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. No, we don't care, Lord. Just do whatever you want right now. Just just do cartwheels and, and just, you know. Weirdness. Did you see you see that's like a that's like a, a an angel up there in the corner. Can't you can't you see? 
No, it's, it's the light's reflection off the thing, you know? And I'm not poking fun to poke fun. I'm telling you, that's the truth. You gotta find the middle. I mean, just, that's, that's not healthy. Not healthy. 20 years of ministry, I know people that are like this and they are not grounded in Scripture. They are very unhealthy, very unstable. And I know arrogant Pharisees who are demeaning and their kids can't wait to get out of the house. They're, 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 they're mean-spirited and it hurts. And see, we try to join. I, I just need the power of the Spirit and the truth of God's Word. We have to have both. I don't know about you. I don't want to pastor a church that doesn't have both. Because there's a lot of stuffiness on this side. Stuff, can you, you know, just oh, stiff neck stuffiness. What Bible translation do you use? Where did you go to seminary? Your theological persuasion on pneumatology doesn't line up with my eschatological view of the end. Don't get happy, weird side. You just, you know, you know, you guys. You're talking to someone. Shh, shh, shh. Holy, God is downloading. Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna tell you just a minute what he said. What I say, I'm gonna say. When was the last time you spent a lot of time in God's Word? I don't, brother. I, you know, that was I did when I was a child, but now I've got the guy. No, see, that's not healthy. That is not healthy. Boy, this is an interesting message. But it's all helpful and needed because that's you need to know what the church is about. And then finally, the principle behind salvation. I'm, I'm going to talk about this and I'll close out. Second Peter, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. In other words, the Lord is not lazy. He's not... Just delayed to be delayed, but he is what long suffering toward us, not willing that I don't know what to do with that one, but that some all come to repentance. First John, if we confess acts, if we repent, you can see there's the the principle behind salvation. Maybe some of you. A few of you need to hear that this morning. Watching online, there is a conditional call on salvation. God says, "If you do this, if you repent, if you believe, if you confess that Christ is Lord and Savior, God's not going to lift you up, drag you to the altar, and make you." He says, "If, if, 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 call out to me, and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord, and God will fill you heart with His Spirit, mightily fill you with the Spirit, and love and peace and joy will flow out." So, if you need that this morning. God's not slack. He's waiting on people. He's waiting on people to repent and believe and experience these times of refreshing. So we're going to do two things as we conclude the service. We have communion available. And I didn't get it. I got into it in the first service, but I'm not going to read it now. Communion is a solemn event where we have to examine our hearts. We have to look at our hearts before taking communion. We want to make sure we don't take it in an unworthy manner. Number one, it's for believers. You've repented, you've believed. And number two, it's for those who get their heart right beforehand. Because in, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote about the church coming together and they were just taking it with a lot of gluttony, a lot of not caring for others. And they were actually bringing sickness and death to their own bodies. 
And Paul said, if you rightly judge your own character, God will not have to judge you. So examine your heart. Do you need to repent? Do you need to get rid of a critical spirit, an angry spirit, a, a frustration, jealousy, backbiting, anger, addiction, these things that, that you've been just holding on to. Don't leave here still holding on to those things.